The Repeated List of Forbidden Sexual Relations by Rav Amnon Bazak Chapter 20 of our parasha deals with the various prohibited sexual relations. The obvious question that arises from this section is that it appears to repeat the laws we learned just two chapters earlier in Parashat Achremot, chapter 18. Let us begin by comparing the relevant verses in these two chapters. Both chapters are built upon a similar structure, consisting of introductory verses, then a list of the forbidden relations, followed by verses of conclusion. There is, however, a striking difference between the two sections. Chapter 18 is formulated as a series of warnings or negative commands, you shall not uncover, you shall not come close, etc. While in chapter 20, the text refers to punishments, he shall surely be put to death, they shall be childless, etc. Obviously, this difference cannot be sufficient reason to repeat this list in two separate chapters. The text could have simply stated each prohibition together with its punishment, all in one section. For what reason, then, does the Torah devote two separate chapters to the same subject? The explanation for this duality would seem to relate to a more fundamental difference between the two chapters. Following the death of Nadav and Abihu, Aharon and his remaining sons were commanded to distinguish between the sanctified and the profane, and between the impure and the pure, and to teach B'nai Israel all of the statutes concerning which God has spoken to you by the hand of Moshe. Following this, we find a series of sections that present these laws, beginning with the parshiot dealing with ritual impurity and purity, the impure and pure animals, and the impurity related to animals, the ritual impurity of a woman who gives birth, and the process for her purification, the impurity of tzara'at and its purification, the impurities associated with zav, zava, and menstruation, the purification of the mikdash from the impurities of B'nai Israel, and the conclusion of this unit, the impurity of the land, resulting from forbidden sexual relations in chapter 18. Hence, chapter 18 teaches us that the crux of the sin of forbidden sexual relations lies in the fact that it defiles the land. In verses 20 to 30 of this chapter, the root tameh, impure, appears nine times, and at the conclusion of the chapter, we are told explicitly that the concept of tumah underlies these prohibitions. For all these abominations were committed by the people of the land who came before you, and the land was defiled, so that the land shall not expel you when you defile it, as it expelled the nation that came before you. Eretz Yisrael is pure, and it therefore cannot bear sins of sexual immorality. Transgression of these prohibitions thus leads directly to exile from the land. In contrast, chapters 19 to 23 comprise a unit devoted to the distinction between the sanctified, Kodesh, and the profane, Chol. Accordingly, our parasha, which opens this unit, begins with the command, Be holy, Kedoshim to you. Chapter 19 presents the guidelines by which we achieve sanctity. Chapter 21 deals with the sanctity of the Kohanim. Chapter 22 with the required protection of sacred items and chapter 23 with the sanctity of the festivals. Thus, the discussion of sexual immorality included within this section, chapter 20, accordingly addresses the subject not from the perspective of the land's impurity caused by such conduct, but rather from the perspective of the obligation to be holy. Indeed, this section begins, You shall sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall observe my statutes and perform them. I am God who sanctifies you. The root tameh appears nowhere in the unit on sexual relations in chapter 20. Instead, we find the root kodesh, sanctify, appearing seven times. This latter root, needless to say, does not appear in chapter 18. What is the difference between these two systems, impurity and purity, sanctity and profanity? The answer is simple. The basic state of all matter is pure, but profane. 
the situation can be changed in one of two ways. In the negative direction, it may be caused to become impure, or in the positive direction, it may be sanctified. What the chapters on impurity actually require of a person is to avoid causing things that are pure to become impure. And should impurity indeed occur, these chapters present instructions for restoring the situation to a state of purity. In the chapters on sanctity, the situation is different. Sanctity must be created rather than merely preserved. Therefore, the laws of sanctity represent the way in which sanctity can be achieved. Without them, sanctity will not come about at all. Eretz Yisrael is both pure and holy. B'nai Yisrael are required to refrain from infringing upon its purity, on the one hand, and also, on the other, to express its sanctity. Transgression of the laws of forbidden sexual unions causes the land to become defiled, as described in chapter 18, but it also blemishes the land's sanctity, as we understand from chapter 20. This difference becomes especially apparent when we contrast the two parallel verses which describe the influence of these forbidden unions on the land. In chapter 18, we are told that the land shall not expel you and you defile it, as it expelled the nation that came before you, in accordance with the theme of this chapter. In chapter 20, however, we read that the land to which I bring you to dwell there shall not expel you. The defilement of the land is not mentioned in chapter 20. Instead, the text mentions the unique stature of the land as the one to which God brings B'nai Israel. Herein lies the source of its sanctity. This distinction also accounts for the discrepancy in the respective descriptions of the expulsion of the Canaanite nations. In chapter 18, the Torah emphasizes once again the aspect of impurity. You shall not defile yourselves with all of these, for the nations which I cast out before you were defiled in them. So was the land defiled, and I visited sins upon it, and the land expels its inhabitants. In chapter 20, the concept of impurity is altogether absent. Nor shall you walk in the ways of the nation which I cast out before you, for they did all of this, and I abhorred them. This difference is also manifest, albeit in more limited fashion, in the details of the laws of forbidden unions. For example, concerning the prohibition of a menstrual woman, the formulation chapter 18 emphasizes expectedly the aspect of impurity. Nor shall you come close to a woman in the impurity of her menstruation to uncover her nakedness. Chapter 20, meanwhile, focuses on a different element. A person who lies with a menstrual woman and uncovers her nakedness, he has uncovered her fountain, and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood. Both shall be cut off among their people. We find a similar distinction with regard to the prohibition of Eshet Ish, sleeping with another man's wife. In chapter 18, the Torah writes, Nor shall you lie with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. While chapter 20 teaches, And anyone who commits adultery with another man's wife, who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, shall surely be put to death, the adulterer and the adulteress. Likewise, chapter 18 formulates the prohibition of bestiality by emphasizing the element of impurity. You shall not lie with any animal to defile yourself with it. Chapter 20, expectedly, makes no mention of this theme at all. A woman who comes close to any animal to lie down before it, you shall slay the woman and the animal. They shall surely die. Their blood is upon them. The division that we have proposed helps us understand yet another conspicuous difference between the two chapters, the sequence by which the respective lists of forbidden unions are arranged. In chapter 18, where the Torah focuses on the aspect of impurity and defilement, the forbidden unions are arranged according to the degree of closeness, with the understanding that the closer the familial relationship between the two parties, the greater the impurity that results from their union. In chapter 20, by contrast, the emphasis is on the severity of the sin. Sanctity flows from the source of sanctity, from God. And the blemishing of sanctity is determined in accordance with the severity of the prohibition in the eyes of the Torah. 
The severity of these prohibitions is not necessarily determined according to the measure of familial closeness. Other parameters are involved as well. When considering these different sequences of presentation, an interesting difference emerges between the two parshiot with regard to the prohibition of Eshetish. In chapter 18, the Torah places this prohibition near the end of the list, in verses 19 to 20. The aspect of impurity here is less obvious, since it does not involve biological closeness like the other prohibitions. This prohibition arises from a legal reality, rather than from a natural family relationship. For this reason, perhaps, specifically with regard to this law, as in the prohibition of a menstrual woman, which likewise does not arise from biological closeness, but rather from a temporary situation, the Torah must note that here too there is an aspect of impurity, which is not mentioned explicitly in the previously mentioned prohibitions. By contrast, in chapter 20, the prohibition of Eshet Ish heads the list because of its unique severity, as evidenced by this prohibition's inclusion in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Hence, observation of the laws of forbidden sexual relations involves two different aspects, refraining from defiling the land and preserving its holiness.